Are you one of those people that asks random questions to the universe or to yourself and you just feel like you can't quite get a clear answer? Or maybe even you continue to find yourself obsessing over the same thing again and again and you can't quite find clarity? Well, I completely relate. (laughs) I do that so often in my life and on what would appear to be such trivial matters, but they seem to really affect the momentum of my life. As a result, I have come up with a podcast called One Together. And One Together is literally going to be your place to go where you can potentially get answers to those questions. If we don't ask the right question that week, all good, write to us and we're going to go out and we are going to seek an answer to that exact question that you're asking. My name is Heather Maltman, and you may have recognized me from random meaningless media stuff that I have fallen into purely out of my own inability to know what I want and where I'm going in this lifetime. And I started this podcast with a group of awesome people purely because we want to remind you that you are not alone in this life, that you are not the only person who's asking really weird questions and not feeling like you're getting an answer. I myself have managed to find myself in some really weird situations like finding love on The Bachelor or working in radio on the Gold Coast or playing small roles in TV shows or traveling around the world at the age of 17 to find out why I've grown up in the life that I've grown up in and trying to figure out whether or not you know, for example, does my mother really have a mental illness or is what she's saying completely normal? Is it okay to grow up without my father? Can I really push through some really tough times in my life? How am I going to pay for acting school? I know, I'll eat oranges and two-minute noodles. Actually happened. So if you're anything like me, you continue to ask some really weird questions and feel like you're struggling to get answers because maybe you just don't have the resources. So here at the One Together podcast, we are going to spend every week trying to answer some of the most complex questions that we seem to ask ourselves. In saying that, how about we ask a question? Ah, you came crawling back for more. They always come crawling back for more. You want another question? I'll give you a question. Sorry, I don't know why I'm making that sound really threatening. We actually do want you to keep listening to our podcast. And I seem to have gotten very excited this week. I think I'm really pumped because I spoke to a guy by the name of Matty Ferrison, right? And the question I had for him was around, can you get by in business if you haven't had tertiary education? And I thought, who better ask than the guy who is literally the director of a very successful business up in Brisbane called Gangster Raps. Now, before you think that I walked into the ghetto and started like, you know, hanging out with Biggie and Tupac... Yeah, I clearly don't know rappers very well. I apologize. His business is literally car detailing. And I would have thought that running a business like that, you would have to have had like some kind of tertiary education or done TAFE for many, many years or something like that. Well, turns out Matt's a builder. Um, And now he runs this incredible business up in Brisbane that's so big that he needs to expand potentially to Sydney and Melbourne. But I'll let him get into that. He's also the director of Together Social, which we will touch on later. But he is just a crazily awesome specimen of person. He is a spiritual gangster. He is a smart, smart man. And please enjoy as we slowly go on tangents about the 90s and rap music and potentially putting 
subwoofers in the back of Datsuns. And yeah, this is definitely a podcast that the men are going to love and a podcast that you ladies, well, it might be an insight into how men's minds work when it comes to their toys. Enjoy. The following podcast contains coarse language. You really are a spiritual gangster. I'm a spiritual gangster. This is freaking me out. Can I kick my shoes off? Yeah, go for it, man. Thank you very much. I'm not a very big shoe person. I feel like shoes trap my soul sometimes. (laughs) Um, And as soon as I take them off, I feel like I'm back with the earth again. I'm a bit of a hippie. Yeah, Uh, But I'm like a hippie, but I shave my armpits or something. I believe in laser. Keep it real. Yeah. Um, a new age hippie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you're a spiritual gangster. I'm a new age hippie. <laughs> I like remove unwanted hair. I feel like that's kind of introduction enough. I'm sitting here at Gangster Raps um, out at Sumner with the legend who is Matt. You started this business yourself. How long have you been running this for? I uh, started this two years ago. I just hit two years. Two years? Yeah, yeah. And it's already so big that you're expanding out from this giant shed that we're in. Yeah. P.S. I love this area that we're sitting in. It's pretty cool. I feel like it's a cross between a wood shack, a tin shed, and like a 1920s boudoir. Like That's I feel exactly like... what I was thinking when I built it. Really? Like tin shed, boudoir, log yeah. cabin. Yeah. You nailed it. Well. Fuck, man, like, your vision came to life. <laughs> we did have a plant wall. It was a living wall here, but the possums oh. came and ate them all, so. Oh, well, I like that you didn't kill the possums. You just got rid of the plants. That's nice. <laughs> um, how did you become so, I don't know, spiritual when, I mean, most people think gangster rap's business where, you know, you're all about modifying cars. Mm-hmm. You were telling me before that you meditate. Yeah. You were all about the moon. <laughs> I feel like I'm drinking a beer with like a guru. What has happened? Like how, <laughs> how, how does that happen? How does someone run a business like this and then be so uh, mindful? I think, I think uh, running businesses and, you know, being aware spiritually and, you know, just being comfortable with yourself, it helps you to run businesses, you know. If you're stressed and you, you're pretending you're someone you're not and you're not kind of in tune with everything that's going on, then mm. you get stuck in a rut, whereas, I mean... I don't have any fears of anything. I just yeah. accept things as they are and I keep on moving. Nothing yeah, right. ever stops me, you know what I mean? Yeah. People ask me all the time, um, you know, aren't you scared like starting businesses? What's it like yeah. to go out on your own? People ask me all these questions like, none of that shit crosses my mind, ever. Why? How? I don't even think about it. Like, I get an idea and then I want to do it and I just start doing it. And then within like, you know, within two months, it's a thing. Okay, because obviously I believe that you can only talk from your own experience, right? Yeah. And in my experience, I'm similar to yourself, but at the same time, very much different. So if I get an idea in my head that I'm going to do something, I'll just go do it. I don't give a shit. And if someone tells me I can't do it, I'm like... (laughs) (laughs) That makes you want to do it 10 times more. Now I'm going to burn the fucking house down. It's like saying, don't push the red button. You're like, you kidding me? Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) But what does it do? (laughs) You push it first. (laughs) yeah, but then what happens is I get started and then I overthink it. Ah. How do you stop yourself from overthinking it? Uh, I think, so instead of looking at something as a whole, and I learned this from building, because I, I used to be a, a carpenter and I went on to become a builder before I had all this. And um, I remember like looking at plans and looking at buildings when I was younger. And when you look at it as a whole, you can't really fathom where to start. You know, when you first become a carpenter, you kind of look and you're like, how the hell are we going to turn this into that? Yeah. And then, you know, when somebody teaches you to break things down into steps and 
you know, step one's the measurements and flicking out the slab, step two's the frame, step three's the subfloor, and you, it's all steps, and then you stand back and you go, wow, I just built, you know, two, three-story house, and it's actually really, really easy. And I think using those techniques in business stops you from overthinking things, it's just breaking it down into simple steps and just doing, sticking to the plan one step at a time, and it just happens. So let's say that a business is like a blueprint, right? Which I do, I do believe you gotta, you gotta work from your blueprint because yeah. no builder ever just starts going, I'm gonna build a mansion. Yeah. The first thing you always start with obviously is the foundation. It's your groundwork. What, what are we building on? What is the dirt like? All that sort of stuff. Yeah. What is the foundation of a business? Like what is, the, what is a good foundation of a business do you think, spiritual gangster? <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, branding and marketing is probably the most important thing. Um, Obviously you start with a business plan and a concept and you know what you want, but if you don't have good branding or marketing, then you don't really have anything. When I first started this business, I had a little um, two-story tandem shed over in Maruka and it was just, it was nothing. Like it was seriously, it was like, you know, nose to tail, we get two cars in, we could work on them, we'd have one car outside and someone would be working out in the sun. And um, the way that I branded Gangster Apps, you know, I, I obviously wanted to cross hip-hop culture with the automotive industry because when you're driving in a car like you listen that's to you Ice listen Cube, to. Yeah. you listen, you know, that's, that's yeah, you don't like, listen to cool. driving Miss Daisy. So that was like my whole <laughs> concept behind it and then um, I wanted to come up with something catchy so um, I sat there one night, I was mulling it over for hours and about three o'clock in the morning I just couldn't sleep and then I, you know, the Ice Cube song, Ain't Nothing To It, Gangster Rap Made Me Do It, popped into my head and I was like, Gangster Rap, perfect. Yeah. So then that's the slogan, Ain't Nothing To It, that's where the, the sort of the name ah. came from. And then when I sort of started to put all my marketing and stuff together, I remember like mates saying to me, you know, no one's ever gonna go for this. No big corporate companies, no one's gonna want anything to do with a company called Gangster Raps. And at the time, like, I was just taking some time off building and this was like a side project, so I didn't really care. And I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. And then about four or five weeks after we opened, uh, I put all my marketing out there and Got a call from Audi, and you know, Audi's a pretty big deal. Yeah. So Audi sent me well, over an R8. I mean, is... it's not Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> that was later. That was what? later. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> yeah, so we, through the marketing, obviously, I had, a, I had a good business model, I had a good plan, but without the marketing that I chose, I wouldn't have attracted the clients I did, and it turns out like a lot of people that are running car dealerships like hip hop. Yeah. So they all loved it. Everyone was coming in and they're like, the guys from Audi rocked up in their suits. They're like, man, I love the name. Like, you know, yeah. I used to listen to Ice Cube when I was a kid and all these guys, you know, they were all skateboarders and they were into graffiti and now they're all grown up. They're running car dealerships, but they well, used to listen to Ice Cube. I think that's the thing. Like, I reckon that's where you really nailed it. It's like, if you look at it, the, the market that you're appealing to are all our generation that grew up in the 90s where it was badass to drive down Cavill on the Gold Coast with a souped up car yeah. and like Biggie playing in a, in and you were like, I'm so black. And it's like, no, you're not. <laughs> you're from Logan. Let's be clear. Um, <laughs> I'm from Logan, hands up. I'm from the north side of Brisbane, so same, oh, same. Oh, that's beautiful. Also, did you grow up in Housing Commission as well? That I did, yeah. Oh, that's why we get along. I actually started, I was um, in the housing when I was younger, young, before I moved to the north side, is at the Housing Commission in Riverview, uh, yeah. in Ipswich, like ghetto, ghetto. Stop it, yeah. Ipswich, oh, that's nice. Still got the scarf when my second head was cut off. <laughs> <laughs> 
see, you guys had um, potential second heads. Where I'm from, it was just getting shot or stabbed. Um, so, you know, same, same, but different. It's really just losing a second personality, let's be honest. Pretty much. Um, I've been learning about this new meditation, mm-hmm. and it's by this guy called Dr. Joe Dispenza. Have you heard of that guy at all? Nah. Okay, he's pretty epic. And his whole philosophy is that you are in charge of your body. You can control it. Your body doesn't control you kind of thing, which I really like and I do agree with. And he actually healed himself of a really massive injury, like just through meditation and and working on it himself and getting healthy. Anyway, he talks about this meditation style where basically you acknowledge that your body, you don't own it. It's not a thing. You don't get to keep it, right? And you basically say to yourself this sort of mantra of, I am no body, I am no thing, I am no one, I am no space, I am no time. Mm -hmm. And you say that over and over again, and I'm telling you, it is so trippy. You start to feel as though your body doesn't exist (laughs) and you just move into this like, I don't know, it's like like you're you, but you're not you anymore. Yeah. I can't, I can't explain it. It's you're really, tapping into your higher self. Yeah. yeah, it's giving me like, yeah, you totally tap into your higher self. It's a very strange thing seeing a guy with mass tats and like a, a huge car business say <laughs> higher consciousness, by the way. Um, I go there frequently. Do you? I know it well. Right. This is tripping me out. Do you get judged much for falling in between that crack at all? Like, have you I mean, seen I don't that really, hard? You know when you can talk to people about these things, you know, there's, there's only a small percentage of people that, even connect yeah. or understand what you're talking about. So, I mean, when guys come in for a quote on their, you know, Toyota Supra, I don't sit down with them and talk about meditation. It's not something I bring up <laughs> in the store. Can <laughs> for me, and film it? I'll make them meditate, pick a colour. I'll have a little, set up a little float, little float meditation room. Let the colour come to you. It can be a part of the experience. They come in, they have a float, they meditate for an hour, they really think about it, they visualise, and they can come out and give me a rendition. We can do it up digitally. It's a good idea. I remember back when I was a teenager, um, growing up in Logan, the cool thing was to try and, like, get away with lowering your car as much as possible so that the coppers couldn't quite tell. Yeah. That was like the sick thing to do. But you'd like cut the springs. But yeah. the, the front springs were always too hard to get out if you didn't have the right tools. So yeah. you'd just like pop the back ones out and cut them so you'd be driving around in a Commodore like this. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, shit, that takes me back. Uh, and then you'd like put a really weighted um, sub in the back. Oh, yeah. So that it goes down even further. And then when you get pulled over and they're like, oh, it's too low, you're like... Oh, sorry, man. Just got a sub put in the back. It's just like, the sick bass. Yeah, it's my bass. The bangers. Yeah, and it used to rattle all the boots, like as the cars drove down Cavalier, just, just be like vibrating, <laughs> just rust dropping off them everywhere. <laughs> Total side note, um, and for anyone who's a car lover, you'll enjoy this. When I was about 14, 15, my sister's boyfriend at the time, we used to love doing up cars together. I used to get really excited about it. Yep. Um, and we had this idea one day that we were going to get like an old school Datsun or a Mini or something like that. And we were going to pull the engine out and put a rotor in it. Oh, now you're talking my language. I'm like rotor everything, rotor the world. I really love the sound they make. They're so good. Um, Yeah, and we were like, how fucking sick would it be if you had that in there? And then we're like, what if we put a blower valve on it? (laughs) You're on Camel Mall in this tiny little Datsun and everyone's like, what a piece of shit. And you're like, really? (laughs) 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 I'll feel you. (laughs) Such a random side note, sorry. My question to you is, how did you build this yourself if you've come from very humble beginnings, such as housing commission? 
Because uh, I get asked all the time, yeah. how did you get where you are today? And I'm like, I don't know how to answer that. Yeah, it's a pretty long story. Somebody said that to me the other day. I was buying a pair of shoes and she asked me what I did. And I told her about the different businesses I own. And she, like, she said to me, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. Like, I got a business idea and rah, rah. And she said to me, oh, how did you get to where you are? And I just kind of looked and I was like... That is a really low, well, I kind of know, but like yeah. how much time do you have? Because I'm buying a pair of shoes. Right. You know, that's a very, very long story to condense mm. like 18 years of working your ass off down into like one question. And I mean, all I could really think of, like the shortest answer I could give her was like really, really, really fucking hard work. Yeah. Like that's how I got to where I am. I always say like, you know, I'm not the biggest or the strongest. I'm not the most talented. I'm not the best looking but I'm the most persistent person you'll ever meet. Like I'm always, if I want something and I want like, I know what I want. I get a vision in my head. I'll sit there, I'll think about it. I'll put vision boards up and I'll look at that every morning and I'll do affirmations. And I just, every day I'll picture myself in that position every single day. Doesn't matter what's going on, broke, don't have my license. This isn't happening, something's going wrong. It doesn't matter. I still get up and I just picture myself where I want to be. And I always end up there. It's crazy. Mm. Have you ever done a vision like that and like sat down and really worked on it and it hasn't come out? Every time it has. Has it been hard along the way? Like we're talking like, what's the hardest thing you faced building this business? Like what was the, what was the one moment where you were like, shit, I don't know if I'm gonna come good on this. I think the hardest point that I hit setting up this business was more the transition period of coming from where I was, which was, um, I was in a successful uh, building company at the time and I'd gone from being a carpenter to a builder, went on to owning my, you know, having my own business and employing a really big crew that would fluctuate between like 50 and 70 guys. Mm -hmm. So I was really like, I was living a really fast paced life, big money, late nights, no sleep, like up at four, working till, you know, eight, 10 o'clock at night. And, just like living in the city, just living that really shallow, mm. really like it was more, it was an unfulfilled life. So right. I had everything, but I wasn't happy with what I had. You know, I had house, the cars, boats, jet skis, whatever. And nothing was like, nothing really was making me happy. It was just, wow. yeah, it wasn't, I don't know, it just wasn't fulfilling. So I wasn't really doing something I was passionate about. And like what I was saying before was, it was funny because when we talk about like visions and stuff, I was always, my vision was to finish my apprenticeship, start my own business, you know, have a, become a builder, have a building company. And then I got all that and I was just like, this sucks. And um, anyway, I ran into a mate in a nightclub. My mate was going to Greece and he said to me, oh, you should come on a trip because he could tell I was really stressed. Right. So I just gave him some money and we, we, booked, we booked the trip and we, I was gone in three days and I ended up in Greece for three weeks. So. Had a bit of fun in Mykonos and ended up um, meeting someone over there and we went to um, Santorini. And we stayed in Santorini for seven days. And I remember we went up to the highest point of the mountain and it was like the most beautiful thing, the sunset. It was just amazing. We took up some wine and we had a smoke. We were like chilling. I was watching the sunset and it was like the craziest thing I've ever seen. Like it brought a tear to my eye. I was full on at my sunnies on. I was like, oh, fuck, I don't want anyone to see me like crying over a sunset. Fuck me. It's the wine. It's the wine. <laughs> yeah, but San- I, I'm, I'm not well. It's <laughs> that Santorini wine, man. It gets you every <laughs> yeah. time. But I remember like watching it and I was like, you know, I really wasn't happy. And I used to refuse to wear a watch until I could afford to buy a Rolex. And then I bought a Rolex. And I remember like in that moment, I looked down at the time 
and I had this Rolex on, and I was like, I just thought to myself, material things really don't make you happy. Like, this fucking watch, it tells the time. All watches tell the time. And like, I don't know, I just had this moment where I was like, I need to sort of change what I'm doing. I want to be happy with my life. Mm -hmm. So I, um, I came back, went to the drawing board, culled all my boys off, finished the contracts we had. And then I had a concept, obviously, for Gangster Raps, came up with it. And originally I was going to keep my building company small and just keep it going on the side because it had a good income. And I had a, another guy who he'd been wrapping cars for five or ten years and he was going to run the business for me and I was going to keep running a small crew of boys and just sort of fluctuate between the two. Anyway, I put a bit of money into the business, got the little shed over there and I think it was like Christmas Eve and it was like two weeks before we were opening. He texts me and he's like, oh, I can't handle being in a partnership. Like he had a bit of stuff going on in his life and I was like, you know, shit, I've put all this money into this business. So I ended up like culling off the boys that I had and just finish out all my business, uh, my building contracts. And I was like, I'm just going to do this myself. I'm just going to give it a crack. I thought I'd just take 12 months off and just see what happened. And um, I ended up, I was working so much. I think I lost about 10 kilos and I was so stressed. When I started this business, like people were coming to me, they were concerned because they thought I was on drugs. And like people are coming up to me, they're going, oh, you're losing weight and like you your skin looks bad and yeah. like people are genuinely concerned. I'm like, I'm not on it. I swear to God, I don't have time. Yeah. I'm just busy. I'm just I'm not busy eating and properly. I'm not sleeping. Yeah, and I'm stressed. So yeah. as like the hardest part of this business, that was definitely it. like the setup, the start of it was like the biggest transition I think I've ever sort of had to put myself through. But I mean, I'm, I'd already, as I said, I come from humble beginnings, so I'm, I'm used to being challenged and I don't yeah. mind being cornered in a bad place. For me, I, like, I think I perform 10 times better. Yeah. So I ended up moving upstairs and I had this little shed and it had a little mezzanine upstairs with a shower and I just had my bed up there. I didn't even have a TV at the time. Like, I put everything in storage and just my dog and I, Drake, we lived upstairs there for six months and out there at the time, like, Uber Eats was, like, and when you say Super we, you mean Drake yourself and Drake. And Drake. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we lived up there and we basically just like lived off pizza and yeah, just no sleep, lots of YouTube videos. The first, uh, the first roll of vinyl I ever seen in my life got delivered to the store to wrap a car. I, wow. Yeah, and I put, a, I, put a, um, I put an ad up on um, Seek and I ended up getting this guy in who'd done a bit of rapping before so I was like fully relying on him and I was like staying up all night just rapping my own car I'd sit there with YouTube watch YouTube tutorials rap unwrap rap unwrap you know and I did that for a couple of months and within a couple of months I was able to wrap a whole car by myself but initially the first cars we were doing I remember my first client Mitch he's a really good friend now actually um, we did his RS3 for him and I was this comes back to like the foundation and the marketing which is what helped me in the beginning was I was doing raps for two and a half thousand dollars and then teamed up with like, you know, the hip hop marketing, everything, everyone was sort of frothing over it and the raps were cheap. And I think like the, the rent over there was around eight or nine hundred dollars a week. A roll of vinyl was costing me about twelve hundred dollars. And then, you know, you got all your outgoings and stuff on top of that. And I'd have to pay a wage to the guy that was working with me. So these raps were like costing me money. And like nowadays, we'll knock a rap out in like two, three days. Then it was taking like a week and a half to two weeks. Holy crap. Yeah. So <laughs> it was like wow. that first six months, I was just like, I was so defeated. But I had like this vision and I was like, I'm not giving up. Wow. So I was like, got to the point where like I wasn't earning anything. It was costing me money for so long. And um, I, got to, I got to the point a couple of times, I was like, man, I'm going to have to go back to building like 
this isn't panning out. And, you know, it, a lot of people were like watching me and I don't think many people had faith in like what I was doing, but I kept telling people like, nah, like this is gonna, be the, this. This is gonna be the biggest thing. Like I was, and I was talking about this shed, like my end goal is to have this one-stop shop, like not just wraps, we're gonna do suspension tents, signage, like it's gonna be a one-stop, like high-end luxury car store. And nobody took me seriously, man. And even suppliers and stuff, you know, like back then, none of the suppliers really wanted to deal with me. And now, like all these suppliers, there was, there was one supplier in, in, that comes to mind that was always there for me, gave me whatever I needed, sent reps out to make sure I was okay, helped me with a bit of training here and there. And you know, all these other suppliers, they, they call me every day, they send reps down here and they're like, what can we do to get you on board? Cause like, you know, you look around at how much material and wrap we use now. We're, we're probably using more wrap than any other store in Brisbane at the moment. And so these guys are all like fighting over my business. I'm like, well, I wasn't good enough for you then. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with the guys who were good to me from the beginning. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was like really, really hard. That was that first 12 months was insane. Yeah, right. Yeah. G'day. This is just a quick break. It'll just take a minute. And we need to tell you about who helped get this podcast into your ears today. If you're anything like me, you are super mental health conscious, right? And therefore you're maybe not a big drinker. I don't take drugs and I barely even touch Panadol if I can help it. So for the last few years, I've not been able to drink. So as soon as I have a glass of wine, I actually get these horrific migraines that are so bad. I feel like my brains are exploding. It's like, actually, that was a pretty good sound effect. I'm proud of that. Basically, I found these guys called Body Armor and no joke, this stuff was probably made by garden pixies or scientists. I mean, it's it's the same thing. Actually, it is listed with the ARTG and pregnant women take it for nausea. Get it from bodyarmor.com.au or use their store locator online. Basically, you drink it before you drank it and it protects your liver. So get around that. I sounded so popular just now. Boom. Just get it. It's good stuff. Thanks for being a part of the One Together team. How about we get back into that chat? Startup businesses, mate. I know, right? I just kind of want to like marinate in that for a minute. It's, I always think like, it's good to share with people sort of what's actually involved in, in startups and being an entrepreneur because mm. people see the end result. And they and think, pe- yeah, people like, they they're come lucky. To- they yeah. think, oh, that's so, he's just lucky or he must've had help or he probably had money or yeah, something and it's like, dad mm, or no. someone's helped him or, yeah. and then when people like, they come down to this store and they look around and they go, oh, you know, like, how did you start this? Like, who are, you, who are you in business with? Who helped you? I'm like, no one. And the funny thing is, like, I finished that shop, got to a point where it was running. Mm-hmm. And it was, I could have stayed there and been comfortable and just earned, like, a decent amount of money, had a small crew, but I still had this vision I wanted to go on. So within 12 months, I, I just, once I started making a little money, I just saved everything I had. And um, I came and got this shed here. I just drove past it and I seen a Felice sign. And I was like, man, that's perfect for what I want to do booked an inspection. Within seven days, I'd signed a 10-year lease. And um, yeah, came over here and did the exact same thing. So I had like three guys working at the other shed. And when I came in here, it was just, the concrete floors were all banged up. There was holes everywhere. The walls were all like covered in mold and dust. And it was disgusting. Like I got photos I'll show you after where. Yeah. You have a look at it and you just, it's crazy how how destroyed the building right. was. We'll put it up online. We'll show the before and after because yeah, cool. I've got some video footage of like how sick it is in here. It's yeah. so cool. So when I started, I came in here and 
I remember I was walking through with Sander, one of my employees, he dropped me over here. And I was like, right, I'm gonna put that there. The floor's gonna be like this. There's gonna be feature walls here. You know, this is gonna be there. Put couches over here. And he's like, oh yeah, cool, sounds good. And then like, I came in here and I just like, got super focused and I ended up living upstairs again. And I didn't draw any plans or anything. I just like, I knew exactly how I wanted it to look in my head. So I started, um, started the whole process mm. and um, got the steel delivered and we built the chassis for the wrap booth that you see here. Yeah. And then because I'm a glutton for punishment, I wanted to use recycled timbers. I wanted to make it sort of eco-friendly. I used 140 recycled timber pallets and um, I got them, we went and picked them up with a truck and we unloaded them all into here. So this whole shed was just like six foot high with timber pallets. And I was here one night and we, we pulled one of the pallets, or I pulled one of the pallets apart and I timed myself because I had to pull them all apart by hand and then sand them. About 140 of them and it took me 45 minutes to pull it apart, denail it and sand it. And I had 139 left. And I was like, oh. I, I looked around and I was like, oh man, this is going to take me months. Like, I'm going to be here for so long. So I ended up putting a thing on Airtasker and I got some guys to come down and help me. And, uh, Sick. And, yeah, so I got two guys to come down and they, they were just there all day, just pulling pallets apart, sanding them. Yeah. And then I, so I could just keep going with the framing and everything. Yeah. And um, anyway, eventually like that went up and people around here, like there was no signage up and, you know, the front's all black. I had all the windows boarded up and they just see this little crazy tattooed guy coming in and out. My beard was getting longer and longer every day. Like I came in clean shaved and when I left, I had a beard down to here. My hair was all overgrown. I'd lost heaps of weight again. Yeah. So you can imagine what the neighbors thought. They had no idea what was going on. Right, yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> Their awesome. imaginations would have been going wild. Like what is happening? Yeah, and I ended up, um, cause I was living upstairs, I got a, a clawfoot bathtub off Gumtree. Went and got a um, 240 volt plug-in hot water system and just got some poly and stuck a shower head to the wall down here. So I'd just come downstairs, shower in this like little makeshift bathtub I had and then, um, and then get to work. And I was like, you know, that was like four, five a.m. starts and just working right through the night, like all night. I get tired, I go to sleep, mm -hmm. I get up and I work. That was like my life. And um, yeah, it's pretty cool, man, when you look around at how it all turned out. Now I walk around, I'm like, Pretty cool. Yeah, I showed up in my giant purple Jeep and I looked at the place and I was like, this is not what I was expecting. I was expecting just like, you know, like a, a standard, you know, car garage yeah. where you go to get your car fixed. Yeah. I was like, I'm gonna go get my car fixed today. <laughs> and then when I drove in with my Jeep, I was like, oh, Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore. I don't belong here. I was like, I'm not cool <laughs> enough to come to this place. <laughs> I'm in a floral dress. <laughs> I make no sense. I was like, I should have worn my ripped jeans. Um, but yeah, like the whole front is just, it's just cool. Yeah. I love the fact that you talked about the sacrifice that went into building this. And, you know, when you do come from a rough background, you're so automatically put into this category of, you're not gonna get anywhere, you're not gonna sort of make it, it's yeah. just trouble and you're kind of done with. Yeah. Um, and when you overcome that kind of stigma and really build something for yourself, like, I don't know about you, but working for other people, I still get it today. If I work for other people, I'm automatically treated different because my mother has a mental illness. Yeah. Because I come from housing commission. Yeah. And because I'm scrappy. Yeah. And because I'm scrappy, I'm automatically treated like 
I'm going to be trouble or I'm going to cause trouble or, well, the other guys must be telling the truth because she comes from this. You know what I mean? Like there's automatically that stigma there to try and overcome. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, did you kind of go through that phase when you worked for other people as well and that was part of the reason we were like, fuck it, I'm going to create my own thing? Yeah, definitely. I think like probably the biggest reason behind uh, like leaving uh, the property industry and getting into what I'm doing now I used to be clean shaven, I'd wear suits. I was like, I wasn't even myself, you know, I used to cover up all my tattoos. I cannot imagine you doing that. Yeah, I had like a queef, the shaved sides, clean shaven. I was like, I was like this mover and shaker. And I was like out hustling with all the real estate people and had my Rolex on. I was like, yeah, I'm the man. At 20, I had dreadlocks down to my waist and like piercings everywhere. And then I was like, no, I want to be a businessman. You know, so my mum, my mum's ex, um, ex-boyfriend, who he was like really heavily involved in business. Mm-hmm. So I met him, and that was when I was like, I wanted to get more into business. So then I sort of, you know, clean myself up a little bit. Being yeah, from that kind of background and having to work for other people, you do feel like you got to prove yourself. Yeah. And you feel like, I mean, I remember being in jobs and especially dealing with real estate guys and you know property developers and stuff and a lot of them come from private schools and you'd be out drinking and like you know someone would ask oh where did, where did you go to high school and i'll be like oh, oh Dacobin, Dacobin high mate and they'd be like where <laughs> you know they, they all have gone to like these private schools it. in the city and i'm like Dacobin high like out on the north side and they're like you know yeah and then i think but i think that's what turned me away from it is like i didn't want to be a part of it's just so it's bullshit. It's not real. And it's if very you ever fake. have children, will you send them to private school or will you no. send them to public? No, I think I'd send them to public schools. I mean, I'd like to send my kid to private school just for like networking reasons, but I wouldn't want my kid, kid to be um, spoiled. Yeah. I mean, there's so many ways you can bring up your kids these days. Yeah. And I don't know. I'd probably send them to private school. I think you can learn more. I think they'd learn more from me. Yeah. than they would in a school system. Yeah. Like, I'd prefer them to spend more time with me. Well, have you done a business course or anything like that? Never. No, so you've just worked all this shit out yourself? Yeah, completely. Everything I've done in my whole life, I'm self-taught. I've never had any help from anyone. So did you teach yourself finance and everything else so that you could learn how to run a business to an asset so it's not... Yep. Yeah, I've taught myself. I mean, reading books, everything's on YouTube. Yeah. These days, it's like, whatever you want to do, just YouTube it. That's like free uni. <laughs> everything, everything you need to learn is on YouTube. You can learn anything. You're like, you're like a real life Will Hunting, but without books, you're a YouTube man. <laughs> yeah. You're like, fuck reading. I mean, I read books sometimes, but I got a really, really short attention span. I need like, I need pictures and interaction. Because mm-hmm. uh, I read books and I just like, I read two pages and then I start like, I start to think a lot. Yeah. My, 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 my mind's always just going like a million miles an hour. It takes me so long to get to sleep, so I just can't stop thinking. So when I try to read a book, my mind kind of starts taking up. I'll read like a paragraph and then my mind starts to like elaborate on that paragraph and I just kind of get stuck there for like 10 minutes. But my eyes keep reading the words, but and none of it goes in. And then I get to the end and I'm like, I go to turn the page. I'm like, fuck. And I, I read the same page like three times. I'm and like, then you realise how far back you've missed yeah, as and well. And You're I'm like, like oh, and this shit. is why I didn't finish high school. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to do a teaching course recently. Um, cause I, I work with a lot of adults in teaching acting and workshops on meditation and stuff like that. And I was yeah, like, cool. screw it. I'll go get accredited. I'll go back to studying and stuff. And I started doing it online. No joke. This course was just copy and paste. And I was like, 
How is this accreditation? Oh, my favorite. She's good. It's like, I've got this, guys. You watch. And I know how to control C, control V. So eat a dick. Um, But yeah, I started doing it. I was like, this is bullshit. I'm not actually, I've just wasted $1,200 learning how to teach when I already know how to teach. And all the stuff that you're teaching me, I kind of already know. The only difference is I'm learning about all the, you know, COAG and, you know, VET systems and all Mm. this sort of shit that go with the government. But I was like, the very thing that the government has set up to teach you how to teach doesn't make me want to learn how to teach. So how am I going to be a good teacher at the end of it? Exactly. And now the word teaching has no meaning anymore. I said it too many times. But yeah, it was just like, this is such a waste of my time. I've already kind of learned this myself. But I mean, that's like, that's government training in general. I think like, you know, they're teaching you to be compliant with the government. 75% of the courses you seem to do, Mm. especially I I used to have to do this stuff with building and, and like, you'd maybe learn for an hour or two, the rest of the time you're learning how to be compliant. Yeah. Workplace health and safety, this, that, rah, 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 like that's 75% of most of these courses you have to do. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know, to me, it's just like, it's just fitting you into the system. I think like, if you're gonna be successful, I mean, you can be successful in that way. Mm-hmm. Lots of people do it. Like, you yeah. know, they finish uni, they, they're compliant. You know, they, they play by the rules, they do everything right, and then they go on and they work for someone else, and then when they're 40, you know, they get the big job they finally wanted. Man, and they're still unhappy. It's so boring. Have and you, you talk to them and you're like, you know, I have so many ex- life experiences doing what I'm doing. Like, I can have money, I cannot have money. It doesn't really make a difference to me, as yeah. long as I'm learning. Yeah. I think, like, that's, you know, it's, you learn more being real and having real life experiences and someone teaching you what can go wrong. And then spending your whole life being prepared for that and making sure it never happens. Shit needs to go wrong for you to learn, I think. There you have it. You don't need to have some like crazy stellar education in order to run your own business or do whatever you want in this life. If you wanna take action, just go out and do it. Stop procrastinating. Stop finding a reason to blame someone else or something else. It is up to you what you do in this lifetime. It is up to you how much you get done, how much you achieve, how much money you make, how much love you make, how many human beings you date, how many children you have, whatever it is. It is up to you how involved you are in this life. Also, if someone can tell me if they ever made a Datsun with a rotor engine, please let me know because I really would like to see a photo of that. Um, If you want to get around Matty Frearson, you can find him on Instagram. His handle is thisisfreo, which is literally just this is F-R-E-O. Or if you want to get around gangster raps on Instagram, they are gangster with an A, like G-A-N-G-S-T-A raps A-U-S. Or you can get around his new business Together Social, which from my understanding, and Matt, don't kill me if I get this wrong, It is an online platform that is helping you branch out your media network so you can reach more people in a shorter period of time. Uh, That is together, T-O-G-E-T-H-R, social. We can't thank you enough for being a part of our show so far. We have more amazing guests coming up for you. I guarantee you if there is a question that you need answered or there is something that is playing on your mind, we will get to it. And if we haven't, send us an email podcast at gmail.com and let us know. Or maybe you've got a story that you would like to share or some insight that you think you could help us with. Because remember, you don't have to be famous to be on this podcast. We just like talking to people. Once again, thank you so much for joining us. And hopefully we are helping remind you that one is in fact not the loneliest number. 
Massive thank you to Cell, Miles, and all the team at Hype Group. This is a business that leverage high quality content on digital channels and marketing to create relevant hype. Basically, if you have a business that needs leveraging high quality content like One Together Podcast did, then these are the guys to see. They did all of our logos and they're awesome. So here at the One Together Podcast, we love them. They rule. Head to their website, hypegroup.co, info at hypegroup.co, or their number is 0407 596 598. And we will catch you around like a donut. Oh, yeah.